there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher, and we are also joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer. Taryn, Joe, the Flyers are back in the win column, and we're back to watching that guy named Claude Drew do his thing on the ice. Boy, was he impressive after a 14-day quarantine after not playing in 16 days uh, following a positive test with the coronavirus, Drew returns after just one practice, one optional morning skate, and he has three assists. He plays 20-plus minutes. He looked – you would have never guessed that the guy was in a 14-day quarantine not doing any type of physical activity or playing or skating. Um, he was that good. The Flyers win. Uh, they beat the Rangers 4-3. Uh, to three. And uh, they're starting to get some reinforcements back. Taryn, what were you expecting from Claude Giroux, and did he exceed your expectations? Um, I was kind of expecting that from Claude Giroux, to be honest with you, but he still, uh, I think effort-wise, just even if you had someone who, who doesn't really watch hockey watch that game, I think they would have thought, wow, that guy's impressive, and he's all over the place. He's flying all over the ice. Um, but – you know, there's there's two things that Claude Giroux just seems to eat, breathe, and sleep, and that's his family and hockey, and he was denied both for the past two weeks. You know, we, we saw, if you've seen his wife on Instagram or Twitter posting him and Gavin reuniting, it just seemed like he had so much to play for in that game, and even if physically he wasn't feeling, like, well, even if he was winded and out of condition – um, you had a feeling that just the the fire alone was probably going to make up for some of that. And I think that it certainly did. The positive part of it, though, is it, it didn't seem like the conditioning dropped off. I've been trying to get a hold of Chris Osmond, the Flyers strength and conditioning coach, to figure out what he's been having these guys do while they're in, in quarantine with what space they have. And I'd be so curious to see what Claude Giroux's really been doing because he – I mean, I think he actually looked better than in a lot of the games he played in before he was quarantined. So, but we've we've seen that from G. He's the ultimate competitor. He's super fiery. I I almost get sick of hearing and using that word when it comes to him, but he really is. He's one of the best guys when it comes to, uh, if you give him that reason, if you give him that why, um, that, that extra thing to play for, he competes at a at a different level that very few people a different gear than very few people are able to find. And I think we saw that last night. And it's something that I'm sure Flyers fans would love to see kind of continued on forward. Yeah, we know when Claude Giroux is driven, and he typically always is driven, but when he's really, really driven and that, that competitiveness is uh, fueling inside, uh, you see what you saw in that game. 
And uh, Elaine Vigneault said he did not uh, he did not want to play him 20-plus minutes, but that's just the way it unfolded because Drew looked like he had that much pop, that much drive in his step. Uh, and Elaine Vigneault didn't even bother to ask him Wednesday morning if Drew was playing. He said he knew Drew was playing. Joe Fordyce, the Flyers also put up 39 shots. It was a season high. It really looked like for the first time in a while, they kind of played close to a complete game. They really outplayed the opposition uh, from start to finish. At the same time, the Rangers were shorthanded as well. They didn't have Artemi Panarin. They didn't have Keandre Miller. They didn't have Capo Caco. Um, are you buying into the Flyers looking that they took a real step toward playing more complete games, or do you think that was a product of the opponent that they were playing? Uh, well, there were a couple things from last night. Uh, I think part of it is the opponent they were playing. As you mentioned, they didn't have Panarin. And again, I mentioned this last week when they played the Rangers. Adam Fox was the only player that stood out on that Ranger team last night for a positive reason. He seemed like he was everywhere. He was making plays. And, but, but outside of him, I, don't, I was never really afraid. I mean, now Chris Kreider had a hat trick. But I, don't, I, I didn't notice Chris Kreider other than like when he was scoring the goals. And it never felt like anybody else was going to join in the party that was going to really threaten the Flyers unless they did it to themselves. And, you know, they, they take a couple goal lead, they give up one right away, and it kind of – there were moments that had that feel of like, okay, they're hanging on again. This is, this is what we've been used to. But you mentioned the shots, and I thought that was evident right from the beginning of the game. It was fire pucks on the net and be aggressive in the offensive zone. And I noticed on their first power play – if you noticed, Ivan Provorov was doing things that we haven't seen him do so much on the power play. Rather than just playing that one side, he was moving up and down the blue line like your true power play quarterback. He was switching spots with Couturier back and forth, getting himself into shooting positions. They're getting pucks to the net. And that's something that I feel like, you know, a, a power play that's struggling and a team that is looking to play that complete game that you alluded to, uh, that's what they need to get going. And I thought their approach, particularly in the first period last night, was exactly what they needed to do. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Taryn Hatcher, was that the Shane Gossespierre of old uh, in that game, in that win over the Rangers? He looked like he had all that um, elusive play in his step. Uh, he looked very good offensively. What did you think of Shane Gossespierre? Uh, I, I mean, I, obviously, everything that you just said, I think that dynamicness that Shane came to be known for uh, seemed to be very much a part of his game last night. I, I, I really hesitate and probably always will when it comes to comparing Shane Gossespierre now to Shane of old, because I think it's been um, borderline detrimental to him in past seasons where there's this, um, like, I think people have this in their life where they think about like, oh, these were the good old days, or that's when I was really in shape, or that's when I was like really happy. And, you know, you, you want to try to like relive your life the way you did then, eat all the things you ate, do all the things you do, blah, 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 whatever. But in reality, like, that's not really how life works. I think sh this is the Shane of new. This is, this is the new Shane adjusting to this specific team, which has looked a lot different than some of the teams he's been a part of in the past and in certain ways looks very much the same. Um, 
but it, it is always so nice to see because we know and Shane has been open about how hard the confidence and the mental aspect of getting his game back has been. And I know from talking to Mike Yo, one of the things that they've stressed to him time and time again is even though you're known for being dynamic, you don't need to overstress that part of your game and overcomplicate what it means to be a defenseman in the NHL. If you want more ice time, just play a really solid game and you'll get ice time and then you'll be able to grow into that dynamic role. And I think kind of um, reeling it in like that almost twisted him up a little bit mentally. Um, And so to see him out there and comfortably being dynamic again um, is a great thing because there's, there's been a lot of steps to get there. The health, the confidence, the, the new – I mean, this coaching staff is still very new to Shane. He didn't play a ton, a ton last year, and uh, he wasn't trusted with a ton of minutes last year. So this is still a coaching staff that I think – well, it's, I, I think it's a coaching staff that has figured out what they like about Shane Gossespierre. I think this is a Shane Gossespierre who's figured out what he likes about Shane Gossespierre currently – and we're seeing that grow and develop into something that could really contribute to this team. Um, but I, I don't like comparing him to like Shane of what, 2017, mm-hmm. because it was, you know, it was a different coaching staff. I think there's a different attitude around the team. I think there was a different vibe in that dressing room. I think that coaching staff asked, asked kind of different things out of different players. I think this is Shane finding his rhythm with this team and this coaching staff in this situation, which you love to see because it's been a long time coming for Shane. Flyers Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Gossip Spare scored his first goal since December 2019. The goal that he scored, you could tell there was no thinking to it. It was a power play goal in which he just pounced on a puck and just fired a, a nasty shot, which he's known for. He's known for his shot. That was a play with confidence, just free playing, not overthinking. Joe, speaking of defensemen, uh, before we look ahead and, and to, to get away from the game a little bit, the Flyers lost a defenseman the other day, Mark Freeman, claimed by Ron Hextall and the Penguins. Freeman was a draft pick of Ron Hextall when Hextall was running the Flyers. Um, Joe, what did you make of that? Do you feel like that was a big loss? Do you think it stings the Flyers a little bit? Or was Mark Freeman simply a depth guy that – was suddenly becoming more and more deeper down the depth chart? Well, I think, I think he can be a depth guy and it can be a big loss at the same time uh, in the sense that the Flyers would go to him when they had a problem. He seemed to be the first guy, okay, we can just bring Friedman up. He had NHL experience. He's played in games. He's, you know, mixed it up in the middle of games with guys on other teams and, He's done all the NHL stuff. So I think the experience factor, losing the experience factor is a, is, is a big deal because now you might have to turn to a guy that doesn't have the experience. Um, and, you know, just uh, was, it was leading into the Tahoe game when we heard Friedman about, you know, making the comment about being, you know, going out there and playing like a rat. And he might have been – kind of like trying to poke Brad Marchand a little. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he just did it without thinking about that. Either way, he knew what his role was. 
And I think a lot of, you know, maybe the next guy they have to turn to has to be told what their role is. So I think it's a loss. I mean, is it, it's not a loss like it would be to lose a guy like Provorov, but I think it's definitely a loss. And the irony with Hextall picking him up, I don't think that that was a uh, coincidence, let's say. Yeah, and especially uh, even if you look at Mark Freeman as a, as a future sixth at best, maybe seventh or eighth defenseman uh, in, your, in your blue line picture, nonetheless, he's 25 years old and you lost him for nothing. And that has to sting. And nonetheless, it's also uh, Ron Hextall and the Penguins kind of rubbing salt in the wound uh, by claiming him off waivers and, and taking him for nothing. But at the same time, the Flyers do have, do have some people um, – some defensemen along the way. We know where they are at at that position. And then you think of guys like Igor Zamul and Cam York, two top prospects that are not far off in the distance. So uh, it, it was probably, it probably did sing the Flyers. Uh, but at the same time, they're looking pretty solid at that position. And Mark Freeman may be who he is at this point. Taryn Hatcher, you have your hand raised. <laughs> I don't want to cut you off because I know when you I, cut people off on Zoom. It just like completely axes out anything they have to say. But please, I will say this. Ahead. I had to fly back from Tampa once uh, with our associate producer for games, Beth, who's awesome. And Mark Friedman was on our flight back because he was being sent back down to Lehigh. Um, I, I, like Joe said, it's not, it can be a loss and not be a loss like Ivan Provorov or even like Justin Braun being out on COVID is a lot. It can be a different kind of loss. Um, but I think Friedman, to be fair, had had hit a level of frustration that he's now in his mid twenties and he's, he's watching, you know, Phil Myers get called up and then he's in a top two pairing and you know, this, that, and the next thing. Um, and with the flyers having people come up, I think it, it sucks. Cause they did, they, they, you lose them for nothing when you claim them off waivers and that part sucks. And it certainly feels like, whether Ron Hextall meant to be petty or not, it's, it definitely felt like a, like a petty Prince kind of move to do. Um, but I, 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 Mark Friedman now, if he does get any ice time up with the Penguins in Pittsburgh, because we saw him have a lot of jump and a lot of bite last year when he was called upon. And then Elaine Bino called him out for just having an okay camp and, then when he got called up initially, he did say, you know, he's just playing okay and we need more from him. And then he did show more. He showed some jump and a little bit of bite in some games recently. Um, but I'll be interested because he has – he does have that bite. And I think he – I think in a new situation, I'll be very interested to see what comes of Mark Friedman because, like you said, you know, he's a Ron Hextall pick. So, you know, Hextall likes him. And I think he knew the more Zamulas and Yorks of the world come through this franchise, the further down he goes. And at 25, you know, you really, you really want to start being that seventh man defensively, you know, like being that sixth man defensively. And he, I don't think he was, he was, he had quite established himself as that here when everyone is healthy. So. Jordan, I think I, if what you just said is illustrates perfectly what the loss is. You said he could be a sixth defenseman, defenseman at best. He knows that about himself. So he's coming up expecting to be a sixth defenseman. 
when you have to call, like say you have to call on a guy like Igor Zamula or Cam York, um, those guys maybe have higher aspirations. And if you come up and struggle, that could really affect your career. Whereas if you have a guy like Friedman, Friedman knows what he is. He comes up and he does his job. He knows his role and it, it's solidified. Whereas if you have to go to a young guy and he comes up and, you know, embarrasses himself for some, during a game, that's going to be a lingering sort of thing. And I don't think you have that with Friedman, a guy who's more experienced. And I think that's where the, the quote unquote loss comes into play is when you don't have that reliability factor. And I, I, I sensed a little bit of frustration from Mark Freeman towards the end of his days at the Flyers. Uh, just obviously it, it, it took a lot for him just to get into a game. And when he got into a game, he maybe had a game or two there, here and there. Uh, you really sometimes need to get a lot of games to really prove your worth. Uh, and then what do you know, his final game with the Flyers, he's playing right winger. Um, maybe he's thinking like, you know, I can't even play my natural position when I do get a chance to get into the lineup. Uh, and I bet he's embracing this change of scenery because one, he's, going to a team with a GM that knows him really well. It's not a whole new prove myself process. Uh, Ron Hextel knows him well, and maybe he'll get opp more opportunity. It's a kind of like a clean slate for him. Uh, but let's get into our cold brew check presented by Duncan. Taryn Hatcher, the Flyers have a back-to-back -back set in Buffalo against the Sabres. I think it's a very important two-game set here because after that, they have three straight in Pittsburgh against the Penguins. I think building confidence with – these games against the Sabres could be crucial to how they go into Pittsburgh. But, Taryn, the Flyers have four regulation losses, three to the Bruins, and the only other one was to the Sabres. How do you expect the Flyers to come out in Buffalo, and how important do you think this two-game set really is? The, the argument, though, it's a fair argument that, you know, there was no pre – there was a very abbreviated preseason. There were no preseason games, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're, we are not, realistically, we are not that far away from the end of the regular season. It, it will sneak up on us. We are almost in March. And the Flyers have a lot of games in not a lot of days coming up here. And they are going to start to get bodies back soon here, um, it sounds like. So it's not just about avenging that lone regulation loss to, to a team not named the Boston Bruins. I, I think for the Flyers, it's also about playing some meaningful hockey and games where you get two points and it felt like you deserve them at the end of the day, because, you know, a, a lot of these games prior to Tahoe, prior to COVID, um, you know, even, even in the Rangers games, the Flyers sometimes got away with a point or two points where you sat there and you were like, I don't know how they pulled that off, but like good for them because at the end of the day, I think coaches will take points at that portion of the season over the process because everybody is processing to start the season. The processing period has to come to a close here. And that's where I think this gets important with a lot of these games in a short amount of time is you're right. Two games against Buffalo. You can't have a really bad loss like you did against Buffalo earlier in the season. You know, Jack Eichel and, and company can play really well and you can battle and, and potentially, you know, lose a game or drop a game in overtime. That happens. But between the three games against Pittsburgh and the two against Buffalo, you have to start winning some of these games where it looks like, A, the effort level is there, and B, that the skill and the style and the process that you want to play is coming together 
because I still like, even if we think back to that game against Washington, there were aspects offensively that I think were, were coming together in that game against the Capitals, but other parts where the team fell apart. And then, you know, the game against the Rangers, there, there's parts of the games that are positive, but that Rangers team, let's get real, without Artemi Panarin is bad. So like, there's certain things where you, you want to see things come to – I want to see this team find their identity and play that way consistently over these next five days, ten days, because they have a lot of games to figure it out, a lot of games to work out the kinks in very few amount of days, which I think is actually something that Elaine Vino kind of um, knows how to work with, even though it sucks. It's something that he, I think the Flyers learned a lot about themselves last November. They had a lot of, a lot of games in the very few amount of days. I think they're going to learn a lot about themselves over this month of March, last week of February. That's kicking off this weekend. Karen, real quick. Do you miss the city of Buffalo and that beautiful trip? No. Okay. I'll... I don't, I don't hate Buffalo. People there are very nice. I don't like going outside in Buffalo. I don't have anything to do in Buffalo. <laughs> My favorite Buffalo story, I think I told this before, is there's a sports bar connected to the hotel in Buffalo. I went with Bill Clement one time, like uh, the whole broadcast team went. Bill Clement ordered, I think, popcorn shrimp. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, and asked the bartender what wine pairs good with the shrimp. <laughs> it was like... It was popcorn, but it's just, that's, that's Billy cement for you. He's just my favorite guy in the world. And if you miss the Doc Emmerich, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Documentary that aired before the Lake Tahoe game and the segment about Bill Clement, you must, you must, you must go watch it. If for no other reason to then to hear the silky smooth velvety voice of good old Bill Clement. Oh, that is tremendous. And yeah, absolutely go check that out. Uh, five, you don't put me on the spot. I don't want people from Buffalo to be upset. Sorry, I had to ask. I respect Bill's Mafia jumping through tables lit on yeah. fire. I, I don't mind it. They are great people. Great people. Joe, uh, say on this real quick, um, in, our, uh, in our cold brew check presented by Duncan, these games against the Sabres, uh, Buffalo is at the bottom of the East standings. The Flyers are getting reinforcements. They're getting healthier. Um, no excuse, right? If they, they have to at least get one of those two games, I would think they really would love probably three or four points if possible. That has to be the mindset, right? Yeah, you have to. And you take a look at the Buffalo the up and down their lineup. Um, There's Rasmus Dahlin, minus 15. Sam Reinhardt, minus 10. Colin Miller, minus 11. There's a lot of minuses here. Um, I think the thing with Buffalo is they give up a lot of goals, but they score. Yeah. Um, and particularly Sam Reinhardt has given the Flyers fits in the past. He was good against them in the games earlier this season, and he's been on fire lately. So I, I think that's a player to watch for Victor Olofsson and, of course, Jack Eichel. He only has one goal, but or sorry, two goals, but he is an absolute playmaker, and they need to be aware of whoever's on the ice with him. That was our cold brew check presented by Duncan. This season, be sure to grab a cold brew for game time because where there's hockey, there's Duncan. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. 
So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Well, Joe Fordyce, the Flyers are now 9, 4, and 3. And if we take a look at our points bet odds for the favored winners of the East Division, Boston Bruins, the only team ahead of the Flyers, according to points bets, points bet, excuse me. The Bruins are minus 150, the Flyers in second uh, at plus 400, followed by the New York Islanders, plus 800, and then the Penguins and Capitals both at plus 900. You think that's fair? Flyers only behind the Bruins? I mean, it's, it's pretty clear the Bruins have given them fits all season, but in terms of the rest of the East, you think that's a fair prediction, Flyers to come out second in the East Division? Well, I think if you look at the gap between the odds, it's kind of how it's translated on the ice this season between these two teams. Um, But as far as the rest of the teams, I mean, you look at the Flyers' record against everybody but the Bruins, and I think you'd have to say those are the fair, you know, they are fair odds. Um, They really haven't been – now, I know there's been a shootout loss and there's been an overtime loss with the Bruins, but generally – when you put these two teams on the ice, they are—they haven't really been close to each other much this year. So there's a big gap between one and two. And then the Flyers over the rest of the teams, I mean, they haven't, you know, they lost the game to Buffalo, okay. So, but th- there hasn't been a huge sample size there. Um, the Devils, they played well against the Devils. Um, the Rangers are a mess, it seems like. I think that they've shown that in the past two games against the Flyers. So I think that I think that the odds are where they should be, and if you're if you're taking a look at the top two, Vegas definitely realizes the gap between the Bruins and the Flyers, at least currently, that exists on the ice when they play. Yeah, Flyers nine one and one against the rest of the field after last night's win over the Rangers. The last team that the Flyers failed to pick up two points against uh, other than the Bruins was the Rangers in a shootout loss. And as you mentioned, they lost to the Sabres much earlier in the year. The Flyers will see the Sabres twice in two days over the course of this weekend. You can find both of those games on NBC Sports Philadelphia uh, Saturday and Sunday, I should say. Uh, Flyers against that Sabres team struggled a bit even in the win it was one of those wins where you go okay they got two points out of this one but that they they maybe didn't deserve how important do you think now we're getting to the end of february here it's it's currently february 25th as we're recording this that the flyers start to really pick up games where you feel like they won and they earned the win and they're building toward the postseason because before we know it you know may 9th is going to be here the end of the season is going to be here and, you know, you, you've got to beat the best in the East at that point. Yeah, I think, um, I, I think that they need to get convincing wins. And I, I was talking to um, a friend of mine texted me about the, the game, uh, the last game against the Rangers this week. And, and you know, there, there's this feeling when the Flyers are winning a game, even if they're up by multiple goals, as they were in that game at the Rangers, that they're kind of hanging on. It feels like there's this overwhelming vibe to the team that they're hanging on for dear life every time they have a lead. And, and that's not a one-goal lead. Two-goal lead is the same thing. As we saw last night, they get a two-goal lead, give up another goal right away, and next thing you know, it's a one-goal lead and it's a fire drill in the third period to, you know, to preserve that one-goal lead. And, you know, it, that is not any way to play 
games when you start getting near the playoffs and certainly not in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I think they, it would do, go a long way if they were to go and win a couple convincing games in Buffalo this weekend. Whether they can do that, I don't know. Um, Sam Reinhart has been on fire for Buffalo lately, and the Flyers had trouble with him the first couple of times they played Buffalo. So that's a player definitely to watch out for. Um, but the Flyers definitely need to do the, like, you know, pump the tires and, and blow a team out, let's say, or maybe blow out two, you know, blow, blow a team out two times in a row to kind of get their, you know, get their, make their heads a little bigger, I guess, with confidence. As this team gets players back, too, I'm, I'm sure people are going to expect that to happen more often. We already saw the impact of Claude Drew. He, we were – Charlie O'Connor of, uh, of The Athletic and myself were joking around on Twitter last night. It's like when you go on a carb-free diet and that first day you eat a piece of bread and then you end up eating the whole loaf of bread, that's what Claude Drew looked like being denied hockey and then finally getting back out on the ice last night. Are you surprised at all, or, or what would be your explanation for, you know, you mentioned the gap between the Flyers and the Bruins. The Bruins at minus 150, the Flyers at plus 400. Behind them, the Islanders at plus 800, and then Pittsburgh and the Capitals right on the Islanders' heels at plus 900. Are you surprised to see that much of a gap between the Flyers and the Islanders, given when you look at the actual standings in the East? Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty tight race other than really, you know, the Bruins do appear to be the superior team in the East as of right now. Well, I think if you look at it, the, the, the Flyers have played, you know, they, the record-wise against the Islanders well this year. Um, and uh, there's something that doesn't seem to be the same about that Islander team as there was in the bubble. There was something about that Islander team that always felt like they were going to win in the bubble. And I didn't notice that, particularly when they played the Flyers this year. Um, I don't you know, if it's Semyon Varlamov, I'm not really sure that's a goaltender that you say, well, that guy's going to steal a game necessarily. Um, and, you know, of course they have their veterans, Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, obviously Matthew Barzell is, is a major problem for any opponent. Um, Pollock and Pellick and, you know, the two guys, the, the, the easiest names to mix up in the entire two synonyms, <laughs> yeah, the, two, right. the synonym brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I, I think that you know maybe the odds makers are seeing that difference that there's just something there. There's a little bit of that it factor missing with the Islander team this year. Um, and as far as like the rest of the list, if you look at the Penguins, there's a lot of rumblings. I, I don't know if Yevgeny Malkin's even that interested in hockey anymore. He doesn't. He seems disengaged every time I've watched them play this year. Crosby, of course, is always Crosby, but. I mean, a disengaged Malkin, I, I don't know that that uh, – I, I think that a lot of teams in the East would welcome playing that Penguin team. Well, thank you very much, Joe. As we mentioned before, you can head over to pointsbet.com. Uh, check out those East Division leaders' odds. The, again, they're the odds for teams to win the East Division. Bruins got the best odds. I think no surprise there. Flyers, though, coming up second only to the Bruins, the team that has proven to be their bugaboo so far this season. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. 
Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Joe Fordyce, thank you so much as always. Cannot wait to watch your pre- and post-game live shows coming up. Taryn Hatcher, thank you so much as always. Cannot wait to watch you on the television. And Ben Barry, a special thank you to our podcast producer and Flyers fans. As always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time.